There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, April 16th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. Episode 150? 150! What? How, yeah! How, how are we at 150? What is time? That doesn't even <laughs> count the bonus pods. It doesn't even count the article reading. Yeah, it's it's got to be like 180 if you count Like, those. we're being honest. Like, what's in the feed? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it is almost tax day here in the United States, so oh. everyone is nervous. It's been pouring rain. The, the subways have been flooded. But we are still bringing you Waypoint Radio from our apartments. <laughs> We've all retreated <laughs> to our apartments. It's me, Austin Walker, joining me, Danielle Riendo. Hi, I have almost dried up from this morning. Almost there. there. There's at least been two changes of clothes today, at I least, think, for everybody. Actually, I've changed my socks like three times today Fair, so far. fair. <laughs> uh, also joining us, uh, Snowy Patrick Klepek. Well, it was this morning, and now that snow has mostly just... Yesterday was weird because it started out, it was raining all weekend, and mm-hmm. then the temperature slowly dropped, so you actually Ugh. got to watch the precipitation right. change slowly forms change. in real time from rain to sleet to ice chunks oh. to snow. And uh, now back the other way. Now, Yeah, now we're heading the, in the other direction when it inevitably warms to like in the 40s. Uh, this week, Good I am, Lord, I am pro winter, but uh, pick a season. God damn it! <laughs> um, I, I, so, am, I I have a war against winter. But you do. Still, you, you have a war on winter. It's true. Danielle's war on winter. I heard about it on Fox and Friends. Uh, <laughs> really, just trying to take the winter away from us. Uh, you know, even though that's even Scott though that. <laughs> That is, that's true. That's actually, that's accurate. God. Uh, I was going to make like a joke about the dragon eating the sun and bringing up, but it's actually wolves that eat the sun in Norse mythology, Mm -hmm. right? The Mm -hmm. the, the wolves eat the sun and the moon and then Ragnarok comes. I think that's Uh how that goes. I know that because I just finished playing God of War, uh, a game that does a lot of shit with Norse mythology. Uh, Patrick, you ran a review on the site last week. It was in the podcast feed and you and Rob had a really good conversation about it. Also in the podcast feed. And just a reminder to people who maybe like see those things like, ah, I'm good. I read it on the site or ah, I'm good. I don't need to hear Austin or, or Patrick or Danielle or Rob read whatever they want. They wrote uh, in my ears. There's always going forward since the last God, What was the first one? I guess it was Monster Hunter. Uh, since the beginning of this year, whenever we do one of those article reads, it's always paired with a conversation between uh, Rob, who hosts that podcast now and whoever did the the read uh or a guest if it was a rob thing so like i interviewed him for the mlb the show one um please listen to those they're great they're really focused but i mean i didn't get to talk to you patrick about it or, or you danielle who cut the the video review version of it which is up on our youtube youtube so i'm very intimately advice. familiar with like four hours of this. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> those are the four hours that we can talk to with any okay. real specificity um because of the embargo uh, and, and also know, because people can't play this game yet like it's right. uh, it's, it's one you of those strange the, yeah it's one of the those strange parts of this game yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. this game does not go on sale until like 4 a.m on 
Thursday or whatever it is when it sets you know sets live in New Zealand and the, right, the PlayStation. Right. But store. I beat it 4 a.m. yesterday, which means I'm eager to talk about it. Um, so Patrick, like at the high level, you came away from this really, really liking it. Is kind of what I got from the review. Yeah, yeah. I'm you know that's I'm what I got from it. You know, three out of five, four out of five. <laughs> give me the give me the number. You know, why don't We're, you just use? We're what on was Metacritic. the fun factor, Patrick? What was the fun factor? I need to high. know. It was high. It was high. It was high. It was like uh, uh, spiky haired from uh, Game Pro. From uh, Game Pro. Ooh, oh, wow. good, good, um, good. It's yeah. The game is. It was tremendously fun. Yeah, I. You know, I've always uh, uh, liked uh, the God of War games more. The earlier iteration, I've, I found I disliked it. Sort of. I think God of War Two was sort of like the highlight of the series, which uh, probably unsurprisingly is also the one that uh, last one that Corey Barlog uh, directed. Um, gotcha. You know, it was David Jaffe was the uh, creative director of the first one, then Corey Barlog took over in the second one. Uh, Corey Barlog was there for a little bit of the third one and then left, uh, and I didn't particularly like God of War. Like, God of War 3 is a, a grand spectacle, like, it was a really amazing showcase for the PlayStation 3, but right. for all sorts of reasons, uh, I didn't particularly uh, care for, for that third one, and Ascension, the game that came after that, was complete garbage. Um, <laughs> and uh, But yeah, I've, ge- I've generally liked this series and what's interesting about the arc uh of me personally is that it it also sort of there's an arc of my critical analysis of games that has changed like when i played got the original god of war 2005 i mean uh you know i was 20 years old uh i didn't think about games like seriously at all mm-hmm. i mean like i i enjoyed games very seriously but i was not thinking about yes. games um and on anything beyond like yo this kratos is a fucking badass and i am ripping <laughs> up this this uh uh troll's skull <laughs> and i am i am bashing the shit out of the like that was the way i enjoyed games i was a 20 20 year old getting drunk in college and right. uh that's was like my surface level understanding and critical analysis uh, of video games and like uh, I I'll like be honest in saying like my reaction to God of War three being not like it was not necessarily because like this game is like extremely violent and like misogynistic which is like true uh, it looking was more back just like on it now yeah, that's something you can say right like I, but that's not something I was articulating himself that was more just like the series is getting fucking boring like you can only make things so big and that's also a like cogent uh, analysis of where that series got itself in trouble but like I'm not gonna pretend that like that was the reason that, <laughs> that I got right. that, uh, that well, I got tired of it um, it's whereas, weird I, I hadn't so I played the very beginning of God of War 1, the very beginning of God of War 3. I've seen most of God of War 3. Uh-huh. I've never – it's never been the series for me. Like I've sure. never – and so in playing this, in my first few hours where I was really, really having a good time, I was like, man, did I miss something from the previous God of Wars? Like I've heard obviously things from people who who do absolutely call it out for its misogyny and for its like – its uh, kind of excessive love of, of violence. It's almost like childlike glee at snapping necks and throwing women into the gear of puzzle boxes uh very <laughs> literally um uh but like i don't i don't know about it so i'm like i'm curious what the tone is of those games like what the writing is like and i watched like three clips of early god of war cutscenes, and it was like oh wow like what we think of as writing has changed a lot in <laughs> games of this of this size and scale uh that stuff is is rough like i don't mean i don't mean like 
I don't just mean bad in a qualitative, in like a, the meaning of it is like, hey, wow, Kratos is a real shithead, and they're really leaning into Kratos being a shithead as, as like a power fantasy. I just mean like in terms of quality, in terms of like recording quality and written quality. It was just a different time for video mm-hmm. game stories. Uh, and it, it's really strange to go back and look at some of that stuff now in lieu of especially this new game, which has the the veneer at least of like prestige of of sony first party prestige game do you know what i mean like there's a through line between like the last of us and like there's just a certain type of game there's a house style uh, yeah there's a house style to so like sony's internal studios and even if the gameplay is is different between them like there is like you expect sony to make these types of games and i think i think arguably part of the reason microsoft has really struggled is that they have not found a way to make um or have not invested in these types of games and right. if you own a playstation like you can expect you can get quote unquote big serious uh games you know what that actually means is <laughs> uh, uh you know up to debate but um that is certainly part of the pitch and the veneer yeah, I mean, I think that's, and that debate to me has been one of the most interesting things. It, it has been super interesting to see the feedback on all, you know, across the spectrum of the response this game got. So for people who maybe don't go to message boards or, or hang out on Twitter uh, and look at all the different review scores, and I know there are a lot of people out there who listen to us who maybe don't do that, you know, God of War has been pretty universally acclaimed. Uh, you know, everyone, I'm looking at the Metacritic here, from Digital Chumps to Giant oh, Bomb boy. to Dark Station to Dual Shocker to The Guardian, to US Gamer, uh, to Games Radar, all of the things I'm reading right now, like there's there's a, a dozen plus perfect scores for this game. IGN, uh, very like very well heralded across all of these different outlets. And some of the response has been super interesting to me, especially as I played the game, because at first... You know, a lot of the, there was there was a kind of immediate backlash from what I think of as like our corner of the Twitter like critic 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 sphere. You know, mm-hmm. the the uh, a lot of young up and coming critics who are really sharp and really bright uh, pointed to this as like, hey, anytime you have something that is super well well liked across the board in this way, uh, and given the text of a lot of those reviews that don't necessarily say like a lot of the reviews didn't dig deep into into why this game excels outside of a degree of polish and feel um and those things are valuable but but like that's when it's all across the board where every critic values those same things does that reflect something really like poor in the or not poor but a lack of diversity of voices inside of inside of what criticism looks like inside of games criticism um and obviously there are there this exists in other media also like there are movies that come out that are like Everybody loves them. You know, you can look at Rotten Tomatoes and see the movies that score ninety five percent fresh or whatever. And there are movies that, that are movies that are uh, you know like critic bait. Like they're right. and I, I would totally. argue that God of War, like in some of the themes and like what people want to talk about and what people want to write about these days, like there are there is a valid argument to make that yes. like there is uh, and I, I could be uh, just as guilty as being blinded by this, especially when you're doing these sort of uh, reviews in a mm-hmm. like I hate I hate. One of the things I hate about reviewing games is that I find I, I like to have my feelings informed by what other people think too, which yeah. is not that I want my opinion to be shaped like exclusively by the thoughts of others, but that my blo- like when I write a review about God of War uh, or anything else, like I can only give to it like what my takeaway was, and I don't necessarily. I often my final feelings on a game will be informed by like other opinions that brought right. different perspectives or picked up on something or highlighted something or their value system of how they uh, looked at the game was was in a different hierarchy. And I was like, oh, right, like 
Uh, like, even immediately after writing this review, I'll be, like, perfectly honest. Like, when people, like, I mentioned in my review about how uh, the game, you know, doesn't give Kratos' wife a voice, period. At like, she all. is she, she yeah. is not yeah. present in the game. She is not. Uh, she is the primary motivation for uh, the, the actions of Kratos uh, and his son. Like, the whole plot moves, hinges on uh, her, uh, her presence in their lives, but it is her death. And we don't witness any 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 sort of uh, cutscenes that like cut to like any sort of information about who she was, what she did. It is all talked about her, um, uh, but that doesn't necessarily dig super deep into the like the series history of misogyny. Because essentially, what this God of War game uh, does is it chooses to pick one tact, which is like I guess if you did think of God of War, like God of War, think in your head, like blood is one of the things that's going to come to mind, and so this game tries to reckon or at least confront or talk about its history of violence but does not talk about its history of sexual violence does not talk about its uh history of misogyny um and uh like i could easily see and i acknowledge this to some i think it goes even further than that like i genuinely think there is some stuff in this game that that fucks up on gender that we can't talk about because it's too late in the game i don't want to spoil it you know what i mean but i think that there is there I, i mean what i'll say that's interesting about this game in terms of structure is that it is so I came away not liking it as much as you. I really mm-hmm. liked my first, the first half of it. Uh, I think it really loses itself in the second half in a major way. I think like the pacing falls apart. Um, it does. The, you mentioned this in the review that like the last half of this game is like go get this new magical MacGuffin like four times in a row. There is like this deferred climax over and over again to the point where there is a moment. There are moments where like all right, we're gonna go do the thing, and then like literally in the the, the animation falls apart as you're gonna go do the thing. Like oh, I guess we can't go do the thing because we need another magical dude. Oh, wow. uh, and it happens like it, it, it defers itself again and again and again um and uh, uh and that's positioned in the structure that is this open world there's lots of side activities to do right there's lots of i mean danielle you, you probably saw a lot of the, this footage of just like go do a side thing go open a chest like i don't i don't how much how much footage did patrick send you of just like he's figuring out a puzzle to open a chest quite a bit i mean like i had i don't know about four hours to work with <laughs> Uh, right. Which is great and and awesome uh, when you're doing like a 20 minute review. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff with go to it, you know, open a chest, figure out a puzzle, talk to a ghost guy because there's right. you know yes. there's problems in paradise with the ghost guy. You know, that lots kind of, of thing. ghost guys. Lots of ghost <laughs> guys have ghost. Pro- lots of ghost problems. Shout yeah. out to ghost problems. Um, and and all of that stuff it, like fills the game with content. There, it's it, I don't. There's no hour count, but I would guess 30 to 40 hours I put into this thing over the last week and a half. Um, and because of that, it is this very big thing. Like, it is this very, um, not overstuffed necessarily, but it is, <laughs> it is, it is unwieldy. It's big. There's lots to go do. But at the same time, in the story, it's actually really slight and slender. Like, there are eight, maybe nine named characters in this game. <laughs> Um, seriously, and one wow. of them is a woman, and she has agency, and I think that her story ends up being really frustrating. I think we're going to see some great criticism around her story uh, as it comes out, because I, she's a character who has an arc, um, and her, her arc, like every other arc, is is about family, right? Like, this is a game about family. Uh, it's a game, it's a, it's, a lot of mythology is about family, and I think that they dropped the ball with her in, in a way that was really frustrating, especially given the series' history with, with misogyny. Um, and it is a focal point. Like, I think the character relationships are some of the best things about this game uh it's funny like patrick you came to this game as a father and you thought a lot about fatherhood and legacy i very much came to this game as a son and like working through 
you know, I have a great relationship with my father now. My dad listens to this podcast. This podcast, hey dad, uh, and hi, he'll be hi, the first. Dad. <laughs> he would be the first to admit that like there were moments as a kid where like we were both figuring out what it meant to have a relationship together. Um, he went through a history of, of anger issues and and dealt with them and like grew as a person in a, in a real way. But but there was a time in my life where I was afraid of my father, like deeply afraid of my father. Uh, and and I think it's like this sort of game touches that stuff in a way that is in a way that like hit me in a way that I was shocked by because it lined up with stories I've told here about dealing with growing up and, and my relationship with my father and ways in which I changed as a son to try to react to him. Um, the stuff between Atreus and Kratos is genuinely powerful. Uh, but there are all these other ways in which it dropped the ball. And, and there's this lingering thought that I can't quite deal with outside of a sort of cynical response, which is like, this, this question has come up a lot on Twitter. Why tell Kratos this story? Like, if, if the creators know that this character has all this baggage around violence, around misogyny, which maybe they don't know that part, or maybe they, they don't <laughs> want to confront that, um, why do we have to deal with Kratos at all? Why not begin with, a, with Atreus as the lead? Or, or, or why not uh, – and I'm not – I want to be clear. That's not a – I'm not spoiling anything. I'm not, <laughs> Atreus as a character is kind of the focal point of this game. Um, but, you know, why not say we're going to tell Atreus a story and you're going to play as Atreus. From right. A, like what, a, what, what if Kratos – like, like the end of God of War 3, like there's a world where they could have just – they, they could have just written it. Close the uh, door. Th- this close the door, have Kratos dead or missing or right, whatever. Right, or whatever. Right. And then, it's and it's then, ambiguous then, at the end of that game anyway, so. Right. Uh, and it could have been the kind of game where it's like, all right, the way we're going to deal with the legacy of Kratos' violence is how does a son deal with learning right. the, the legacy Or a daughter of, of or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah whatever. Totally. Like a, ch- a child. How does a child deal with the legacy of their of their parents, right? Like the of the sins of their parents that uh, have echoes into their own uh, uh, ability to live, and uh, th- that could have been uh, probably a, a potentially more interesting framing. You lose Kratos as on the box art. You lose Kratos, right? As and that's a the part where and, it feels and all, cynical, and, right? Which is like the answer is you can't do it because you can, you'll sell more copies with Kratos on the cover. I, see, I'm, it's po- that's possible. I'm not. I'm not. I am not uh, uh, ruling I mean, that out right. as that. But I think I think you also can't remove the fact that the principal creators of mm-hmm. the original games are the ones making this, and I think the idea of that like. I, I think it's, there was. A a, shitty... I think I think there was a, a way in which they wanted to be the ones that like reckon with this through the the character. Totally, I think, but then I, but yeah. then we have to hold them to that standard and say sure. they didn't do it, which is the thing that sucks. You know. So sorry, one of my Danielle, biggest questions. That's all right. One of my biggest questions ties directly into this, and it's sort of something you raised quite a bit, uh, Patrick, in your review, which is sort of the datification of games as a trend, <laughs> as well as sort of you know something that is very much happening in this game. And there's a through line there also with the other Sony sort of prestige projects, right? Especially Last of Us, which is also something you touched on in your review. And you actually quoted uh, Maddie Bryce, uh, game critic Maddie Bryce, uh, talking about the character of Joel and sort of comparing it to Kratos. And I'm wondering if there's something there as well about, like, is is this uh, cynical in a way, this datification uh, sort of angle? Or is it, you know, just something that kind of you think actually speaks to the folks who made the game? No, I think it absolutely speaks to the folks that made the game. It's okay. well, it's cynical in the sense that yes, video games are a predominantly male-dominated industry, and so like it is, it both makes sense that there's a dadification of games because there's a shitload of dads that are making games, <laughs> um, and there are a lot of people who play games that are also now dads. So that goes hand yeah. in hand. But I, I think you can draw a a a direct through line to the lack of discussing. 
this game, the series uh, history with women in this new game um, through the lens of like, well, it's men wanting to talk about being a dad, right? Yeah. And so um, when, you know, again, I can't speak to like every design decision, but I think you can look at it in a big picture sense that the reason that lens is chosen, the reason we don't get the other uh, reckoning, the reason we, uh, the, the wife, uh, you know, th- they managed to make this big, big ass expensive game and at no point just cast a voice actress to to, to speak for the <laughs> wife, like give her any sort of, sort of agency in this, in this plot has directly to do with the fact that men were largely in charge of its creation. Right. And they, they, and, and, and even you can argue that and say, well, you know, they're speaking to what they know, right? But that that's not that's not a uh, that's not an excuse I can fully buy. If they wanted to make a, a, a game about uh, a dads and sons, uh, they could have created a brand new universe and and done that without any of this baggage. But they chose to do it within right. God of War. They choose to do Which it, has this uh, misogynistic baggage, right. That they don't confront. Well, and and uh, the the other thing, I, the thing well, I'll say in favor of it, which I kind of already did say, or I mean not in favor of it, but I. The datification of games thing is super fascinating to me because there's such a spectrum of what is on that, what is what is included in the datification. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a really great thread uh, in response to Patrick's um, uh, review on the on the Waypoint forums, Discourse.Zone. And on it, someone like named like says like here are a bunch of games that deal with with parenthood and deals specifically with dads. Uh, and one of them is like. Um, uh, what's the zombie? Uh, not Dead Island. Uh, 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 oh my, Dead Rising. Dead Rising Two, where you oh, play as a dad yeah. who's trying to find zombie meds for for your daughter. But like anti zombie meds, you're, it's a whole thing. Uh, but in that <laughs> game, like that game's not p- particularly about being a dad, right? Like they, you happen to have a dad in that game, but it isn't digging into that stuff. Uh, I've definitely heard people defend GTA Five as being a game about it's a game about masculinity, and that's why it's cool that there's mm-hmm. all these toxic dudes. And I don't think that's fucking true at all. I don't think. I don't think GTA five digs into masculinity in any meaningful way. Like it does on the, on the surface and on the, and the margins there are a couple of quests or a couple of missions that dig into it. But by and large, it's just like dudes being dudes. What's better than this? Bros being dudes. Right. Exactly. I genuinely think God of War is about parenthood. Uh, I do genuinely think that they, these creators are trying to dig into that stuff and that moments like hit, hit gold. Right. Um, uh, They really do. Um, And so, I, I do want to give it credit for that. But I also do just like there was so much here that didn't work for me in the latter half that it's hard to it's hard not to come back to those criticisms about where games criticism is at or where those concerns about where games criticism is at and not worry that the that by and large the the kind of review sphere, the kind of critical uh, and, and commercial uh, uh, review uh, apparatus is so dedicated to things like polish. Um, it's an, it's a beautiful game. I don't want to take anything away from it. It's gorgeous. Like I genuinely, I don't think it has a photo mode and I wish it did because it's <laughs> one of the most beautiful games I've played. It's, they're, uh, pat, they're patching it in like, I think oh. on day one or something. Okay, like good, good. Cause they, they will get a lot, you'll get a lot of great photos out of it. It's, it's, it's tremendous. Um, there are some visual stylings here that are really great, but I also do think that like we as a, as a culture of reviewers have to get better about talking about things that, that are not just that that top level even just that top level feel like I really like the way the the combat feels I I think it it is weighty I think there's like a great deal of variety possible in it but I also don't think it actually pushes you to dig into that variety like I found what worked in that game and then it carried me through across the entire game you know early in the game you, you find out that you have a codex that gives you tips 
for how to fight various enemies. I, I never had to look at that codex. I never no. like none of those things. It's, it's also not that type. Like I would argue to a certain point that is in line with God of War as a series. Then it can't be 30 or 40 hours. Do you know what I mean? Like, because then those last 15 hours are just me doing the same thing over and over again. And it's doubly bad because on one I hand, li- I'll say I, I like, like I, even though I, I, I told you this when you were yes. playing the game, like that you should bump the difficulty up because but that's the opposite of what I wanted. Cause what I wanted was more story because the story was paced so poorly in those, in that plot, latter half do you know what i mean that's the sure. it was a thing where like if the if the story pacing had been right then you're right i would love to have picked up the difficulty to make those fights more interesting but because each story thing was only advancing by a millimeter because it felt so dragged out all i wanted to do was get to the next thing and so i didn't i didn't drop the difficulty down i was on the default difficulty all the way through but they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place for me if that makes sense Mm. um which is tough which is tough because i I love the game feel like uh there was a, a tweet going around where someone someone was being dragged for a line in their review where they talked about how good it feels to recall the axe to you the axe that you that your basic weapon for the whole game is this cool axe that is like Leviathan axe, the right? Leviathan axe, something yeah. like that. Okay, uh, that's like <laughs> Mjolnir. Or, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce Mjolnir Thor's or hammer. something. Mjolnir. Something. There's a J in there. I don't know if it's a soft J or a hard J. Despite having been a Marvel guy for my whole life, uh, are they uh, misogyny? <laughs> Misogyny, misogyny, the misogyny, yes. the hammer, yes. which is actually accurate for for how they p- portray Thor, kind of in the margins of this game, kind of. Um, you uh, you can recall it to you the way Thor can, and it feels great. And there's this line in someone else's review, I forget whose review it is, that just says like, when you throw it really far, it takes an, another split second to get back to you, and that feels good. Um, and I actually think it's like a really well well thought out point because it's it's such a small detail they could just make it teleport back to you instantly but it's actually like they really did understand how good it would feel to hear it rushing back to you when you grab it in your hand and like i would i would let i would let the axe just sit like when i would finish a battle and i wasn't holding it i would purposely not pick it up wait until the next fight and then like recall it back like hear it ding 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 against yeah. like a bunch of different things and also i one of my favorite uh powers they got in the game was one where uh if you uh hit uh if yes. you go into the sta- if you go into the stance where you can so you can both hit the axe like normally and then you can toss the axe um and that plays into the puzzles and the combat and there's like a, a lot of different ways you can use the toss but like anyway like this this uh one specific attack which was like really powerful was that if you uh Normally, you can just call it back and then do an action, but this one is you go into the stance where you're going to throw it, but then you call it back and it uh, instantly launches Kratos into this big, like, aerial, like, ground pound area of effect attack, and I would always use that to, like, start every fight because it's like, and it was just, oh, like, it's just extreme, like, there are a lot of, uh, I found the the combat to be just, like, deeply satisfying, and I I agree that uh, the game, I wish the game... I didn't. I didn't pick up on a lot of the Dark Souls comparisons I saw, like various folks making. Like I just didn't <laughs> see it at all. Me either. Uh, mostly. Um, uh, I wish. I, I wish. Right. Because um, that's what I mean. Like I wish that was part of the reason. I was like I wanted the difficulty to be harder. I found. I wish some of the end game challenges were more deeply wound into like the main. Like I wanted a more punishing game because uh i found often when i was switching up the skills or doing different things uh and like when you get access to like a like a, a larger tool set um in the latter half of the game i was mostly just doing that because it 
was like interesting, but less because the game was saying like, hey, we're going to push you into a corner and like, unless you do this, like you're going to have a lot of, like you can't just keep banging your head. Like you're going to have a lot of trouble progressing and it's really only the end game challenges or the higher difficulties that that ask you to start being uh, mindful of the stuff. And while that is in line with God of War as a franchise, I I found that uh, if you didn't if you didn't find it as interesting as I did to just kind of keep mixing it up because I found just the combat uh, uh, loop satisfying over and over again. I don't I don't blame you or other people yeah. who for like halfway through kind of checking out of it and being like, okay, well now the story needs to pick up, and that's the exact <laughs> point when the story like turns into MacGuffin Central, and there are like strong moments within yep. it. Totally. But uh, it's it's the kind of thing where the last ten hours could have been four and been much stronger uh, for it. Totally. Talking speaking about the combat, and I I know how where you fall on this, Patrick, uh, since I read your review. Um, but <laughs> Austin and I guess also just generally, it sounded like Atreus is actually useful in combat, and he's not yeah. just sort of it's not a you know game along <laughs> escort totally. mission or anything like totally. that. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because that sounded really interesting uh, to me that you can sort of equip him with different arrows I mean, and he's actually like not there, there are parts annoying. of that there are parts of that game where Atreus just one fights for me. Like I just hit there's <laughs> nice. a button. There's like the Atreus button, right? Which is like you hit square to make Atreus shoot an arrow. And they do a, a good job mechanically of having him develop as uh as like an NPC who gained like you level him up in the in the level up screen the same way you level up nice. your axe combos and stuff but also just his demeanor changes in combat throughout the game and not only linear uh, in a linear fashion he he kind of goes in certain directions and then adjusts and comes back uh in different ways as the story changes and it's really actually effective both as a storytelling thing and also mechanically to see him kind of come into his own as uh, a, a, a companion character um but yeah eventually you can definitely kid him out i, I kind of there's armor that gives him abilities, um, and I kitted him out to be just like this incredible sharpshooter to just do as much damage as possible. Uh, Patrick, I don't know which way you went with that, but like, you can ha- have him be a healer or a support character almost mm-hmm. instead. No, I, I made him an attack dog. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> he just tears shit up. It's great. Yeah, um, you, if, if you if you spend your resources on like pumping up the damage and the speed and the volume of arrows, like you can. And then there are certain uh, air, like different arrow types you can get that have yeah. different effects on on the battle. Um, there are some that uh, have a let's call it a large area of effect where you <laughs> you could you can like conceivably for like just like walk Kratos around and just keep spamming uh, uh, the square button. But I will I like it. It is it's a very satisfying yes. like implementation of a sidekick character. Like they found a way to both uh, make uh, Atreus vulnerable. Like that he can die but like it's so easy to bring him back like it, it's only meant to like kind of keep you on on your toes a little bit yeah. but he he's mostly just a they took a tool that could have just been he's just a drone and yeah. kratos <laughs> has a drone uh that that helps him um but it, it makes it you know the story and the and the gameplay integrate more fully in a way that like benefits like the relationship they're trying to yes. build between there's those stuff two we, characters. There's stuff we can't talk about here, sure, but like sure. they do stuff with this as well. I'll say that it's not just like it's not he, he is a drone, and then and then there are moments when he's like not a particularly effective drone, and there are moments when he's a really effective drone, and the way that that stuff works makes him more than a drone. Um, 
Uh, I'll also say there was one moment early on within the first four hours, like the first time I fought a troll or something, maybe the second time was the first time that he went down, I had to go over and heal him, but it was because I was dedicated to fucking killing this troll, I got <laughs> caught in like an extended kill animation, and meanwhile, Atreus is just like, Dad, help, Dad, and I'm oh. like, I, I can't, I literally can't come help you, I'm trying to axe this troll in the mouth, <laughs> uh, and it was a very funny exchange, and then and it was one of those things where, like, I almost wish the game had been, had acknowledged that a little bit more but i acknowledged it i understood the message (laughs) it Uh, worked for you yeah one one small the the game's full of like really tiny details that are mindful of sort of the player experience one of my biggest pet peeves um in games that have a lot of like uh just like like dialogue or conversations that kind of the game is plugging in while you're exploring um because they want to fill some of the dead air when where there's no music and and this game has like literally hours of like this idle dialogue that i uh, it it's really great. fills in like it's not just idle it's idle idle dialogue used effectively to like build uh uh, uh deeper relationships between uh kratos and atreus um but it oh it drives me up a wall when <laughs> you lose that stuff because like you accidentally instance combat or or a cutscene happens and yeah. there's no way to loop back around to that like the you just you just lose it. Like, you have to go look up on a YouTube video or just move on. And, like, that, oh, it, it makes me so angry when games, do, like, you end up, like, you're doing the thing where you hide behind, around a corner waiting yeah. for, uh, like, a, a dialogue machine to finish. And this game, like, absolutely someone on the team was like, you know what's bad? The boy games do that. And they <laughs> built in a solution, which is that whenever a conversation is happening, and I didn't even notice this was a, a trick until I accidentally triggered it, but, like, there are all sorts of, like, beaches that you can... Uh, go up to in the sort of like open worldly segment of of the game, and if you're in middle of conversation, like there's a very seamless transition where uh, either Kratos or Atreus or one some of the other characters you interact with will then remark, uh, "You know what? Let's pick up this story later." And then, right. sure enough, the moment combat is over, even if you're just on land, it won't necessarily be back in the water. The game will find what feels like a very appropriate moment to bring it back in and like fin- pick up that story with so a summary. Just, it doesn't just awesome. go back. Yeah, it doesn't just go back to the line it doesn't just say like you know uh, it doesn't even just go like now where were we it goes like now where were we oh yeah i was talking about the time thor fought the world serpent and how he was on his last like it's not even just it's not even just here's the title of the thing it's like the moment it was interrupted is you're brought back to that moment in the story it's really good uh and it's used to great effect guys god i just mm, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna interrupt you so Michael Cohen just lost, all right. like, in his, like, uh, uh, like he's trying to, like, you know, get all this stuff that was taken yep. from his... <laughs> so, the he's been fighting really hard to not name who his third client was. I'm oh, very boy. excited. His well, third he was his, what was his second client? Uh, that was the... the, the like, yeah, first summary. The rub, uh, yeah, so it's <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump, and then... Uh, I think it was like what that Republican uh, official that like negotiated yes. the one point six million dollars yes. over an uh, over an abortion related to a Playboy playmate. The third client is Sean Hannity. What no. is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Is too much. The true god of war. <laughs> Right Sean here. Hannity is a god of some. I think. Well, Sean Hannity. Speaking of God of War, Sean Hannity, of course, was in a different uh, character action game, uh, DMC Devil May Cry, as one of his bosses. <laughs> what? Basically, not actually. Uh, mm, uh, you know, he's a little more Bill O'Reilly that character, I guess. Uh, Danielle, you should. I'm going to link you at some point please to the do. DMC fight that is just a Fox News host. Uh, yes, please. It's, it's very please, fucking good. Please do that. I was going to ask you. 
I guess this yes, is semi-related to this shit because all of this is mythology. It's just our real lives, but also mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How, how much, like, I'm a mythology nerd. I yeah. love hearing all of Norse, Greek, et cetera, Egyptian, whatever. I, pretty much any culture, I love storytelling and fairy tales and mythology. How how much am I going to love the mythology in this game? Am I going to nerd out a little bit here? Yes and no. Like, okay. right. There's I, less of it. There's less of it than I thought. Go, okay. like, it, I it, wanted it, more. Yeah, so I would say they they definitely like purposely or intentionally rather like try and change the general structure of like how these games have played out in the past, which is like, I mean, the first game, first God of War opens with you know you're fighting a Hydra and right. like it only gets bigger from there and like you get to encounter all like the creatures that you think you would encounter like in a game set in Norse or Greek mythology and this game like a lot of it is insinuation or or you you'll get. Uh, like the, they, they straight up call them lore, which is like these, these these paintings that uh, are telling you kind of like the if you aren't hist- if you aren't like familiar with like Norse mythology, like I think a lot people may be more familiar with Greek mythology, especially if you've played the the God of War games. And so this a lot of that functions as like some world building for for uh, what's happening both in this game and and uh, more traditionally. But there is not. Like, you know, the world serpent is there, you know, like that. Okay. That's been a focal point a lot of the the media. But right. uh, there is. There's not a lot of it to the to the degree that I was like pretty surprised yes. and uh, like uh, you wish uh, <laughs> actually wish it had ended up leaning more into that stuff. It yeah. felt very much like I, I left this game be like, all right, like Uncharted seems to be coming to a close. God of War is going to be around for the next decade. Like mm. they're leaving cards in the deck. Um, and, and I don't think Norse mythology is as well known as like Greek uh, mythology or even maybe even Egyptian mythology um, uh, in terms of like what the pantheon looks like. Um, but there's lots of cards in the deck that are gestured at, let's say. There, there are two. I, I would say like very – The two big I, ones. Yeah. I, uh, they're, maybe there are Easter eggs that I missed up. And I, we're not going to spoil what, no, what it is. No, I'm like, not going to talk there about are, it. There are, there are two paths they essentially lay out that I wonder if they're just going to see how people respond and then um, choose uh, where they go from here. But yeah. there is one that is just an Easter egg. And then there is one that – the stuff that Austin and I are and, – and Danielle, you you may be wishing for more of. Would yeah. they gesture at for what, like, the next game would be by, like, the – the conclusion of this, and again, we're not going to get any specifics. Like, would basically just be all that shit. And and I remember talking to Rob, and he, when he was asking about how I felt about like where the game kind of uh, ends. And again, uh, very specifically, I'm not going to get into spoilers. Uh, but I worry that they're going to run into the same. Uh, it's it's hard to, for me to see with the way they they pitch where this would go from here because it is very much a where we go from here. Like, there is a conclusion to the story yeah. that they tell. Like. The the going out going to the mountain to you know uh, scatter the ashes of Kratos's wife and Atreus's mother like that is the beginning and the and you know like that how they deal with that um, is the focal point of this but there's very much a setup for the future but that one that seems uh, intent on scale and I would that's the strengths of this game like for the faults that it has uh, were not that and um, maybe I want maybe I just want them to take that and go build a different game that is like built around that stuff I right guess. yeah um, i don't know i don't know uh, i'm, I'm I don't very know. so that's that's like if i can leave on one thing and we can take a quick break um it's it's i'm still lingering with that question of kind of uh, 
the response to this being so overwhelmingly positive. I'm not so so to be clear, I'm not taking anything away from any reviewer who loved this game. I'm not saying that they're that they are wrong for loving the game at all. Like I genuinely understand why someone would love this game and why they would score it a ten uh, or say that it's it's whatever. You know, like we I edited your your review, Patrick. Obviously, I hadn't beaten yeah, the game. I'm yet. one of those reviewers, right, Austin. Right, but like even though I had a different experience <laughs> with it than you did, right, I wouldn't. Right, I right, wouldn't. Right. I'm not saying that that's not an honest response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do think that it's 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 a problem for the industry to mm-hmm. to have reviewers who unilaterally responded to something that i think i don't know maybe it's maybe it's not a pro i, I don't know i'm struggling with this because i, th- I think no, it I th- has I think, so I think many you're right. it's, this game is not uh it, it there should have been at least one review from a so major... like when I talk when I when I talk about like the list of priorities that I take into it, like and I also acknowledge that like I have blinders now as right. a father, right? Like so like there is like it's not just critic bait, like there's dad bait. Like right. they, like I like I end up I ended up probably overlooking elements of the way this game deals with women because like I look at this from the lens of a father. And that is a fault of mine. That's part of the reason right. that I don't like reviewing things, because if I was to review this game a week later. Like right. having like had discussions with people where they like point like if Austin and I probably talked about a moment that I'm pretty sure I now I, I know what he's talking about <laughs> yeah. um, or some of the way that people asked like hey like how does this deal with misogyny I was like wow I, I didn't talk about that as much in the review as I probably should have in retrospect like that then like the fact that those things weren't higher priorities in other reviews is not the fault of individual review I mean in some, on some level it is like I'm acknowledging that it's bl- a blind spot yeah it's a blind um, it's a it's a major problem yeah um but, the, but like it's also, it, it's, also it's a collective problem right, right? it's it, the fact that there aren't people in a position with a different hierarchy value to then put that up and say like actually like this is how, the lens that I looked at the game through. These, like, actually, fuck this violence stuff. Like, why are we not talking about how, yes, but, like, Kratos used to throw so, a women into grind. <laughs> but also, like, it is the misogyny thing, but I think it's, it is also the, like, so, like, I think this game is gorgeous. I think it's beautiful. I'm not, I, I've said this before. I think it's incredible. That doesn't in any way, and it didn't negate the fact that I think the pacing is bad in the back half. Right. And that's not a thing you see in anywhere else in any of the reviews. Um, and I think that that's like, I, I think it's partially because of the way reviews are are around embargo time, where like, you're rushing through games like this anyway, and so like, it's hard to judge pacing around uh, in the back half of games, because it always feels like a slog, because you're just like, I need to finish this game to get to my to get to my deadline. Um, I, but I also think it speaks to like, uh, a an aesthetic sameness around like what we think prestige games should look and feel and sound and and be like um and i i it's so tough because when i whenever we do the movie comparison it's like yes this is this is prestige for games but in film this is like a good marvel movie do you know what I mean? It's Black Panther. It's like, Black, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying that right. as a relative comparison. Yes. Not like yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. It's Thor yes. Ragnarok, maybe. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. I think it's probably more serious than Ragnarok than Thor Ragnarok. Uh, yeah. But like, but yes, yes, yes. It's a good one of these. And Winter in, Soldier. There we go. Sure. We got sure. there. Um, I still haven't seen Winter Soldier. I'm a bad. I'm a bad Marvel fan. This is the thing that's <laughs> happened. Is I've stopped watching those so, movies. I definitely want to ask about this uh, and, and just talk about this for a second because I used to review a lot of games uh, of every sort of yeah. stripe and every sort of uh, size, and I struggled really hard with this too. Even even being a queer woman and having a lot of these thoughts about a game and being like you know feeling personally. Uh, about misogyny and feeling very personally about those kinds of things. I definitely also felt uh, a pressure at times to be like, 
well, we we put that in the sidebar. You know, we right. talk about this. We, you know, right. have my feminism sidebar, and also, and then like evaluate the game almost on on other terms, sort of like there was. It, this was never like a spoken pressure, but there feels like the review, the way you write a review, uh, sometimes does feel different from the way you would might write a, a piece of more personal criticism. I'm not saying that is oh a, a mandate or this is you know something somebody sat down and told me. But it feels weird, right? Like, mm-hmm. or or maybe I'm like, was trying too hard to conform to a voice or something like that. But do you ever feel that way? Both of you, I mean, both of you, you both write reviews. I mean, I'll say no, but largely because I feel very lucky to be at Waypoint where we sure. can, we can, there's, we don't do sidebars. Um, we don't have the yeah. ability to do sidebars as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, we we're not capable of sidebars. Uh, but, but also, but also I've always been the sort of person who's like, if it's important enough to be on the page, it should be in the text. Um, and I do my best with, as an editor to help find the place for that stuff. Um, when, cause, cause the, that's not a, I don't think that's an anxiety only you have. Um, Daniel, I think it's a, I think it's an anxiety a lot of writers have, um, which is, and it can be, again, it can be about very important political, personal, social things like, like identity, like, like, you know, uh, class, but it can also just be about like, man, I really, I really want to talk about this side activity. I really want to talk about how much this mini game meant to me, but like, I can't, it doesn't really fit in. And so, well, it doesn't it really feel meant, like a review. And I know, again, right, that's not right, like, right. I guess I'm, I'm trying to interrogate how much is that me being insecure about being a writer in this space and how much is this me being like i don't know (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i wonder how much is shared i think that that's shared i'm definitely the sort of person who's like i wrote this whole thing about how the radio works in this game but (laughs) but that is that really important and and i'm always gonna as an editor push to like if it's important enough for it to be a thing that you're anxious about trying to find a place for let's try to find a place for it and see if there is boilerplate shit that is in other reviews that we can cut do you know what i mean like yeah um i'm trying to think of the example with this review patrick i i feel like there was definitely a section i mean we just reworked that we kind of moved atreus up right is the thing that we there was an earlier draft of this review where you started with atreus's stuff at the top of the review um, which is where we ended, it ended up being. But there was part of you that was like, oh, I'm going to talk, I'm going to do a quick introduction on like how combat works so I can lean in. So then I can kind of transition into talking about how Atreus works in combat and then talk more broadly about Atreus as a character and then talk more broadly about parenthood, which is like a, a, on paper is a really good structure for this, for this review. But what we realized was like, you can't just say one or two words about the combat. The combat section ended up being huge. Um, and in the end, we trimmed back on that and flipped it so that we started early with the Atreus stuff because that was the emotional core and pushed you away from doing the like, you know, there was a whole section in there before that listed all of the different items you could pick up, basically. You're not items you could pick up, but like all the, the different. Is, yeah, going like deeper into like the different like characters. Customization. The, the combat attributes. Yeah, the customization. Because yes. like a lot of that is. Uh, that's like untraining, like you know, tw- yeah. you know, fifteen years, twenty years. If like you go back to like the stuff I was doing long before I got paid, of like just how you write reviews. Like right. that was like, yeah, there was a the, the early draft of the review like touched on all the emotional, the dad stuff, and blah blah blah. But definitely like prioritized, like made made the decision to like put up like, well, here's how the game plays and how the game feels. And I think that is generally how uh, game critics operate yeah. because that's how game critics have been. Uh, instructed, taught to yeah. operate, and and the audience tends to reinforce that because they tend to value um, that stuff. Um, but you know, at Waypoint, like we've been trying to like get you know try to find like with a review specifically trying to find a way to like 
rather than the critical essay that comes a week later, like mm-hmm. merging that into the review and trying to find somewhere in between. And we'll yeah. still probably do that critical essay that comes a week later also. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, like, I don't consider an, uh, you know, a, a forum goers may uh, disagree. I don't mean waypoint forum goers. I mean, sort of like the Reddit and uh, sort of like the, the larger uh, gaming space. Like I don't consider like my review of God of War to be like my final thought on God of War. It was mm-hmm. like a moment in time, like a, a, a an essay about how I felt then. Like I reserve the right to like sour on that game as I like read more <laughs> yeah. critical pieces about it. Yeah. Like, wow, I didn't consider it that enough. Like I, the, the things I like about it are still the things that I like about it. But like, like that review was like a thing written at a moment in time. And then like shit changes when you read more about it and hear more about it. Like I copped to that on Bioshock infinite. Like I came out of that game liking it and then came around to going like, Oh no. no." (laughs) um, And that stuff happens. Like it's not, it's just, it's one piece in the evolution of like how you feel about a product uh, or or a creation of something. And like that, that changes over time. Right. Right. All right, let, let's go to a break. Let's take a quick break and then come back and talk more about video games and maybe take a quick question. We'll be right back. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we are back. Uh, is there any new Michael Cohen news? Any more Trump news? <laughs> Anything else happening, Patrick? Any updates? Nah, man. People are just laughing a lot. A lot it's of laughing. Extremely funny. It's it's it is extremely extremely funny. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Chris Hayes just tweeted. Just OMG HFS. Great. Good. <laughs> wow. Perfect. Wow. All right. Um. So uh. So we've been playing some other games. I know we. I I named dropped minute during our uh, like an endorsement section a couple of weeks ago. But I think now we've all played and beaten minute. So I'd love to just let's just go from the biggest big release of the month, the biggest <laughs> like high in scale, huge budget, you know, Sony first party to a game where you play as like a little RPG person and you get a minute to go do a thing. And if you don't do it, you start over and you go from the beginning of the minute again. Um, Daniel, you did a review for this. Can you, yeah. can you talk a little bit about it? And we can now all actually talk, talk some about our experience. Yeah. Happy to. It was a much shorter review. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't want to make the, the dumb joke that I did it in a minute, but you know, Hey, I did, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a really, really good, I think, uh, little, uh, basically takes a lot of the mechanics of a Zelda like game. It's sort of that, uh, not exactly isometric, but not exactly top down, uh, perspective of a sort of a 2D Zelda. You're a little guy. I think his name is Minute or little person, I should say. And I think their name is actually Minute. And oh, yeah, I didn't I, put that together. I didn't get that deep I'm lore. pretty sure their name is Minute. Huh. I could be wrong. M-I-N-I-T, right? Uh, yeah, M-I-N-I-T. 
Uh, and you go on a sort of Zelda-style quest where, you know, in every gameplay loop, obviously you just uh, set up that it's 60 seconds long, but you're constantly getting sort of new loot and new gear that allows you to open up new parts of the world. So there's, you know, a sort of general little town overworld area. There's a little tropical area. I'm not going to spoil anything. There's like a haunted area. There's all kinds of different areas that kind of track with the genre tropes, but it's very quirky and indie and done in this very black and white style. Uh, what I liked about it the most was how I felt like I was making progress with pretty much every loop. That was the mm. biggest, that would have been the biggest killer for a minute. Because what's great about a Zelda game, a good Zelda game, puts you in kind of a flow state of, I'm exploring, I'm finding new stuff, I'm finding a new temple, I'm doing light combat. You know, you have arrows and you have like a little sword and you have, you know, I, well, in Zelda you have arrows, you have something else here, but... Uh, yeah, right. like you're always kind of constantly doing something new and constantly uh, somewhere as part of that flow. Uh, but it could have gotten broken up really badly if that minute time limit uh, actually felt really restrictive. But it never really did. I did get stuck at kind of one point. Uh, there was like a late game quest that I got a little uh, a little bit stuck on. I Danielle, didn't realize I, I had you to, to know. do something. I, Danielle, I want you to know that this morning <laughs> I got a a message from yeah. one Patrick Klepik, oh. uh, who said, uh, where is it here, Patrick? Can I get a hint on minute? Yep. I can't progress in the blank because I need one more blank at yep. the blank to get the blank, <laughs> but I can't seem to figure out who the heck would need help. Uh, yep. And it was literally the same point same that you got stuck on. Same exact thing. And it's same right at the end thing. of the game. There's like two and you things had different, you do you after had different, that. <laughs> Uh, you had different who the heck needed help th answers. You, sure. you each found different ones and had, had was able to able to direct you both in the right direction. I'm happy. I'm happy to, to provide the service. Game Master Austin helped That's us me, out. That's me, GM a bit. Austin. You already know what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, that game is really cool. Um, yeah. It's 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 funny because I the thing that you just pointed out, which is you always are kind of making progress. I'm going to sneeze one second. That's okay. <laughs> Allergies. Excuse me. Make it happen. It's it's happening. Yeah, allergies, <laughs> allergies. Because it's not really good rhymes with allergies off the top of my head, um, or or they would be there, but the allergies have gotten into the rhyme zone in my brain, oh, and they're no. messing up my allergies. Uh, anyway, um, one of the things you were talking about just now was that you always make progress on each run, which which can mean something big, like finding a new item, um, and like you said, like the items the items stay around from run to run. So one of the first things that you find is a watering can, right? And then you can use that watering can to do things you would do with water. Uh, and and so every round when you start, you kind of step out of your house and there's your watering can next to your apartment, next to your next to your house. Uh, and you can pick it up immediately. Um, or you find the sword, like, is the first thing that you find in the game. Uh, and so uh, it's funny to, to bring that up because I, I do not want to just dig back into God of War here. But one of the things that historically in this style of game doesn't work for me uh, in the kind of Zelda or even in the Metroidvania style of game um, or, or Patrick in the God of War review, you bring up Darksiders is the like, oh, I got an item that now I got a new tool that lets me go back to old areas and open up doors I couldn't open up before. Um, that can work for me, but it, the game structure and loop has to be so like the, the kind of large picture loop, the large picture game flow has to be such that I would naturally come back to those places anyway. If I if it's ever the thing of like, I'm going to go check in on a place to see if I now have the key that I need to open the door and 
uh, and if I go there and I do, but like maybe I only have one of two or three uh, abilities that I need to, to get all the way into the final thing, and God of War does that a couple of times on side things, where it's like, well, I can get through this obstacle, but now there's another obstacle behind it that I didn't fucking see before and I don't know how to deal with. Uh, Minute doesn't do that at all, really. Like, Minute yeah. always, like, there are... You know, there are definitely walls that you can hit where you're like, oh, I need this other thing. Um, but in general, because of the little 60-second loop, you're always able to find a thing to make progress on or at least find, a, like, a a set of puzzles to start working on. And until the very end, you always have another direction to go and another op another optional thing to at least work on. You know, oh, I can go find a new heart to increase my health. Oh, I can go find one of the – there are these, like, tentacles you end up trying to get that are hidden all <laughs> across the, the world um, that can – give you a bonus thing when you get them all like there's all sorts of little cool stuff there um and it's just it is it is i don't know it that game is paced so well and the music is so good that i just yeah. felt good moving around in it from life to life if that makes sense yeah that game feel is great it's it's a, a different type of game feel than what we were talking about before but it's it's pretty fantastic <laughs> hey, here so there's there is something <laughs> like the leviathan axe by the end of that game so it feels good to catch weapons sometimes <laughs> uh patrick what do you think of it did you did you come away digging it yeah it was uh the sort of like perfect antidote to uh oh, god boy. of war like i, I still want to go <laughs> back in and like kind of uh finish off some of the end game stuff to god of war but i just needed i just needed to do something else um, yeah actually for, like fortnite's been good for that like, oh, I, yeah. like just actually having like aesthetically different games like that are yeah. so uh kind of where it's not grim dark but like it's you know it's grim serious and, and it's like <laughs> very violent and there is moments of humor but there's not a lot of levity and so having something minute where and also that just that, like you're you that that sense of like you're always accomplishing like a little task like, do, 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 do. and actually that's like i think i remarked to you when i when i finished the game this morning before we uh started work was uh i it extends out its gimmick just long enough yeah. to get to to start scratching at being annoying um, because it it works best when the uh, the uh, the sort of options are endless when you're still discovering what there is to do uh -huh. but when you actually need to accomplish like a hyper specific task then that's when like the sixty seconds becomes like kind of grating because like right. I know what I okay I'm sorry I moved the boxes in the wrong like there's specifically there's this one uh side quest uh well not side quest it's one of the main quests that that uh, it's a side quest to one of the main quests where you have to move a uh a box around so that someone can find something they've lost and they're telling you like oh closer 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 not close and I had to run through that like 10 different times uh, yeah. and it was just like really it's like, ah, like, this isn't fun anymore. And so it was like moments like that that would run into a wall. But the game, you know, I think I finished it in two and a half hours. Like, it was just long enough. There's still a lot of side stuff I could do if I wanted to jump back into it. I don't know that I felt compelled enough to go keep doing that stuff. But, like, the main quest was just, like, really tightly woven. And clearly, like, they must have cut a lot of things to, like, keep you in that box. Yeah. And it was just, it got in and it got out right when it needed to. I'd love to play another game that just, like, used the gimmick. Like, the gimmick, yeah. I was not tired of the gimmick. It's just that I, like, tired of it in the in the, the, the box that it was in. But, like, if they wanted to make another another minute, which I guess they could just, that's the name of the game, another mm -hmm. minute. Um, Good job. It'd be, like, job. minute squared. There'd be, like, a little two at the end. You know, it would be, yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I think it's it's it's, it's what make we're playing. Make the R it's, it's, a two. That's how you oh, do it. There you, you go. Make the R a two in another God. Okay. Yeah, I like Minute a lot. I'm a big fan. I, I uh, people should check it out. It's it's 
I, I think calling it the antidote to God of War is a really good, really, really good one. Put that on your Steam page, uh, Minute Devs. Um, it's like ten bucks. It's ten, it's ten bucks. It's on it's on uh, Windows and Mac, uh, and it has just like such a good main theme. I love it so much. Yeah. It makes me feel so warm and good. Um, y'all playing anything else lately? I guess Patrick, we saw below like it, it, it's minute adjacent in a weird way in that it is not. I mean, it's run based, uh, but your runs should last more than sixty seconds. Yeah, uh, I, I may end up writing about this later this week because uh, part of the problem of uh, playing a game like Pax, we also played State of Decay two, um, but it, or I watched you, you and Danica play State of Decay <laughs> yeah. two. Uh, but it was it was a t- it was a time limited ten minute demo and like that's just not a game. Yeah, that... I did that demo a couple times, so I got a little bit of some thoughts. But and like... at least you know, at least you know, State <laughs> yes. of Decay. But yes. if you don't, it's a fairly useless uh, or if, if anything, like bad way to under- yeah. to understand what is interesting about that game because it's not splashy in the way that like uh, a more high budget zombie game uh, might be. Um, uh, but below, uh, we actually had a chance to uh, you and uh, Danica watched uh, me play it for the better part of two hours. Yeah, it was um, a and long. Really, one. really got to dig in to the game, and uh, I I have some concerns uh, about it. Uh, uh, but uh, I would say, by and large, like yo, that game is real. It's it seems cool, and uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see it again. I don't want to touch it again before it comes mm-hmm. out. Like I'm done. Like I was like, all right, I've wrapped my head around what this thing is. Uh, my, my concerns, like, if I had, like, uh, to vocalize my concern, uh, like, sort of generally, it's that I'm worried about there being enough that's interesting to do on subsequent runs, um, and that when I did die in the manner that I did die, I didn't necessarily feel like, oh, great, like, I'm excited to go through that first world all over again, um, because I kind of conquered how the combat works in that area, and I, maybe I could rush through it, and there's some ways that they mitigate that that we can't get into, um, but, uh... Yeah. What's the uh the sort of general flow of the game itself? What's the uh what does that feel like typically? I mean, it's a it's a top down uh, again Zelda ish okay. uh, yeah. style yeah, game. Yeah, for people who don't um, know, because it's been it's, a, it's one of those games yeah, that's been, been around for a while. But not. Yeah, it's like it's been a minute ah! since ah! they've shown the game. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's it's deeply uh, Spelunky influence. Okay. Uh, the world is divided uh, into zones. Um, uh, the first zone is probably the one that's been in, like, all the trailers and gameplay footage, if you were to do a search for that uh, on YouTube. Um, and uh, it's also a, a mild survival game. Uh, so, you know, you're collecting items and getting equipment that when you die, uh, you can go back and grab from your body. But if you die on the way to grabbing your body, all that stuff uh, disappears. Um, and so uh, you can you're kind of a lot of the game is learning zones so that you can progress based on knowledge which is a lot how spelunky works so you're not like getting a you can find like stronger weapons and weapons that have different attributes but you're not like leveling up and getting like more health so that you can get to more powerful enemies it's more like oh the reason i can zip through zone one is uh let's say like i know generally where like there are things in the game that are randomly generated uh, the individual rooms are randomly generated, but the exit to each area is in roughly the same place. And so that area like, is also locked. Like it is like there's a bit where like, oh, you can take this this shortcut. It's almost Dark Souls. Like there's a shortcut back to the main overworld map where you first arrive and like, oh, that room with the shortcut that has like an elevator or whatever is going to be the same room no matter what, but it might be the rooms all around it will be randomly generated. 
okay. procedurally generated, okay. rather. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, Patrick, we'll be in the same general direction. Yeah, so it's like, you know, if you go through the loop, you know, you know, for the eighth time, it's like, I need, I really just want to get to zone two immediately. Uh, well, A, you know, there are ways to, like, sort of, like, create uh, and discover shortcuts. Um, and then B, uh, you may know that, like, oh, I just need to head to upper right. So it's just, right. like, just run through the areas, like, head to the upper right, and you'll uh, find a way to get there uh, faster. Like, I really like the combat. Like, it's, it's simple, but in a way that uh, is... Like feels very good um, to to attack and defend and to roll. Um, it, it's a very beautiful. It's a gorgeous game. Like it's 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 a really really uh, a pretty game. But um, you know the thing that uh, you know it, it. Chris Piotrowski, who was uh, a designer, who was sitting with us and showing us the game, you know, talked and they've talked explicitly about the influence from Spelunky. But what Spelunky did so brilliantly was that every run like, felt different enough because of the way systems collided in that game, with the way enemies collided in unexpected ways, so that even though you knew generally how something was going to go, there was always something weird that could happen. So you both had to be on your toes and not be surprised if it all went to shit because you just didn't expect, uh, you know, uh, something to be around the corner that um, um, you hadn't anticipated. And I... this game doesn't have a lot of those interlocking systems. Um, yeah. Or at least it didn't um, in the first zone. Maybe that's something right. that changes right. as you get deeper. Maybe it gets more Splunky-ish in that, in that right. sense. Um, and that's not to say this game has to be Splunky to be uh, fun, but the, the, the notion of a repeatable game, a roguelike, um, is predicated on the idea that each run is going to keep you engaged because that's the hook of the... If you were just to do a straight run through the game, the game might only be... 45 minutes which is fine like that's where you're trying to get eventually is that you know the game have internalized the game where you can just do the run um and i'm, I'm really just not, curious yeah I'm, I'm curious what we haven't seen this i will say like the second zone we got like to the beginning of that right which we shouldn't talk about our run no too much we won't say, yeah we won't say what's in it uh but i will say it was immediately more interesting yeah uh in that sense um than uh than the first one was so i like, didn't know the right to I didn't know it had zones. Like, that was one of those things that was like, oh, that's what this game is. Okay, there's other, okay, like, different tile sets, different enemy types, stuff like that. It was just like, oh, Spelunky, right, duh. There was a point early on when the, the, the person who was giving us the demo was like, well, you know, in caves. And I was like, what, what, wait a second, in caves, in caves, in caves, like Spelunky, in caves. And I was like, yeah, in caves. I was like, oh, okay, that's what this game, okay, I get it now. There's different enemies and tie, like, okay, and traps, like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And as soon as we got to that second zone, it was like this great moment of, um, like all of my eyebrows went up and like, oh, there could be some real shit here. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how that game comes together. It's also gorgeous. It is also like, you know, one of the big things that they did going from the previous version was it was all in 2D previously with like a player character who was in 3D. Um, Danielle, I really want you to see. I, I would really love your eyes as someone who is like done with some some light game dev to look at the transition from 2D to 3D here because they went from like everything in the world was this faux 3d but drawn in 2d and now it's all actually in 3d and it lets them do some lighting effects that are just like substantially improved and and so clearly an extension of what their aesthetic goals were uh, but just like executed on so beautifully uh where the light will diffuse in in mist or you'll see the way the the grass blows in in the wind or or whatever really fucking cool um i'm i'm very i hope that that comes out soon i agree 
All right, good. Uh, <laughs> maybe a quick, a very quick dip in the question bucket, and then we'll wrap up today. Uh, as always, if you have a question, you can send it to gaming at vice.com. That's at vice, vice, not advice. Gamingadvice.com. Mm. Follow us. Mm. Uh, hey, Waypoints. I was thinking about my latest session with Into the Breach, and that got me wondering, which games have evoked the most vivid or exciting scenes in your imagination through simple graphics, UI, whatnot, on screen? Earlier today on my screen, my steel judoka, uh, judo mech, killed an enemy by flipping him over his head. But in my mind, the true picture was clear as day. An extremely vivid scene of a giant space bug with a military tank caught in its sights, wrapped every which way in in webbing until a prime mech speeds over, wrapping in its steel's arms arms around its body and suplexing it through hundreds of feet in the air. Also, while the bug squirms around, screaming out, sun glaring down on both, only to come slamming down into a lake with the force to shake all the buildings around him. With the tank free, loose webbing uh, all around and no prime in sight, the victorious mech emerges from the water with its dead metal stare, water drips, drops still raining down and standing there looking for its next target. Thanks, Ivan from Portland. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, Yvonne from Portland, Oregon. Um, oh. uh, that's, a great, that's a great image. That's beautiful. I, <laughs> I love roguelikes largely because of this stuff. Um, not that Into the Breach is a roguelike, uh, but, but lots of roguelikes. Like, I've played a lot of Dwarf Fortress' uh, roguelike mode. There's an adventurer mode in Dwarf Fortress. Uh, that where you just kind of pick a character in the world and can explore it and read stuff in the ancient catacombs. It's all proc gen and go to weird towns and take on quests and stuff. It's, it's you know, it looks like an ASCII roguelike or you maybe you put a tile pack in, but even the tile sets are like either monochromatic or like not particularly, you know, you're not getting bright sun sunshine, you know, coming down through the, the, the trees. Um, but the combat in that game is does paint this really almost cinematic picture. Um, the combat in the game always reminds me of the Ridley Scott movie. Um, is it Kingdom of Me- Kingdom of Heaven? That Kingdom of Men. Oh not- yeah. Kingdom of Heaven has this like very specific style of swordplay uh, that Dwarf Fortress's combat reminds me of, even though its combat is literally just a text parser that reads like. Dwarf A did this attack on this person and hit them in the arm. For whatever reason, when I read the combat encounters in that game, it comes across as this, like, beautiful cinematic experience, like, sword fighting experience. So, Dwarf Fortress is definitely the one I would go for here. <laughs> How about y'all? Any any things that are like, this, these graphics are basic, but in my mind, this is this beautiful exchange. I mean... This is like a whole reason why I like pixel art so much. Like I'm still Mm. that dork who loves good pixel art because it's just so evocative. Like it's really incredibly beautiful to me. And I'd rather have that uh, that sort of idea where I'm filling in the blanks in my head than necessarily seeing incredibly beautiful stuff. Unless it's like really wild and out there and and really interesting looking. Um, Like I... I was that kid who... uh, Like in playing Super Mario Brothers. Like I would... I had other names for everything and i had incredibly vivid like mental images of like the lava itself like boiling and roiling up and being this incredibly terrifying thing and the like the goombas were like really messed up like abominations i maybe i was a weird kid but i i saw a lot of that stuff and there was a there was something in the um original super mario brothers for the nes uh there was something in the instruction booklet that said everything is a sentient being basically like right. every brick yes. every yes. animal and so i i really sort of took that to heart uh at, at one point in my childhood and felt very much like 
this is a messed up world, you know, in my little baby child brain uh, thinking that way. So playing that game was more harrowing than maybe it was ever intended to be because of that, because of how vivid my imagination ran and in those years. That and I, I wanted to shout out uh, all our Asias for having like really evocative like 3D pixel art recently that I liked a lot and thought was really cool. Awesome. Patrick, does anything jump uh, out to you? Not particularly, but like in sort of tangentially, uh, I'm I'm really appreciative of games that are like you know we play a lot of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and Fortnite, and those games getting like really robust replay systems because it allows you to better understand a lot of the drama in the in in the course of actions you were participating that you just were completely unaware of and have no way of knowing, like. Um, and so it, like, creates this, like, much grander picture than is actually a, a, that you're aware of at the time that you're participating in the action because there's just no – you only have what's in front of you. You don't have right. the other information. So, like, like, even, like, the little bit over the weekend when you and I played and I died because of this shotgun blast. And it's like, you know, these games have cheaters and, like, stuff like that. And I was like, well, like how the fuck did – I don't – I die like all the time. Shot. It didn't look it like didn't you got look, shot. It, it absolutely looked like somehow there something glitched out or there was a cheater. Like, something – it just didn't make any sense how I died. And then it was like, let's look at the tape. And we looked at the tape. And, like, as it turns out, like, because the game, like, individually models, like, different bullets because it's a shotgun. So it sprayed out. As this character came down – a couple of the bullets just happened to make it over a bush. Yeah. And the vast majority of the shot was absorbed by the bush, but a couple of bullets make it over. And you can visibly see that and then see how the game interpreted that in, in, in killing me because I didn't have that much health, but it didn't make any sense why I should have died from the perspective I had at the pace that I was seeing the game. And in that just little 10-second moment, there is so much drama and so much like interesting things that occurred that is just unavailable to you while you were playing the game and so the ability to slow that down actually see that is like on, on the other end of of this kind of storytelling um that happens where it's all built into the game you're just not necessarily aware of how the pieces fit together and so the ability to go back and and really understand mm-hmm. that is i find that to be like really fascinating and i i wish that stuff had been in PUBG when I was really yeah, in dude. to PUBG because I'm sure there are so many matches that you and I had where if we just knew a little bit more how it played out, it would have made it even just so much more memorable. And it makes even uh, like that bit where I died. Otherwise, it's just a moment where you die. Uh, right. But the idea that you have that bit of storytelling like makes that to the point where now I'm telling this like very basic story of just me and a, and a person getting into a shotgun fight, which is extremely common in that game. Yet it had this like real sense of drama to it that uh uh was extremely memorable so i that's that's my sort of like tangential take on on some of that stuff awesome um all right i think it's gonna do it for us we should we should go out on as always some some i i, I like the notion of just calling them waypoints uh <laughs> sure. for for the week you know uh what what, what do you uh what do you want to give a, a shout out to or, or point people in the direction of danielle anything anything oh, yeah. come to mind all right well i went to an arcade this weekend uh okay. one of those i mean it was it was a barcade it's fine <laughs> it's yeah, okay. kind of the only place you can find arcades in a lot of places now um and i sure did play my favorite arcade game of all time which is crazy taxi and it was uh actually like a japanese cabinet which is cool i'd never Ooh. actually played the japanese version 
uh, and I taught my friend how to play. And th- there was a slight issue because the stick shifter was broken. So one of us had to like hold it on drive unless she had to go in reverse. <laughs> but it was a like really wonderful moment of like sharing this thing that I loved so, so much and still love and still think is like actually a wonderful arcade game um, with somebody else like for the first time. And there's something special about that, uh, being in an arcade and being able to kind of do that. So that was really fun. Uh, Crazy Taxi's great. Play it if you ever see it somewhere. That's a, that's a good game. Yeah. Patrick, how about you? What do you? What is your waypoint for the week? Uh, I want to point people towards, uh, especially in the chaotic news environment, like where you want to disconnect a little bit but not like fully disconnect. Uh, a year ago or so, I was turned on to uh, uh, an email app called Nuzzle, um, which basically uh, it uh, you connect it to your Twitter account. And then every day you wake up and there's a newsletter um, built specifically for you that uh, basically just takes all the stuff that your friends shared um, during the last 24 hours and, like, ranks it by hierarchy of, like, here's what, like, the people that you follow were interested in in the last 24 hours. And that was, like, a cool way to to, to wake up and and just kind of see stuff, especially if you were gone for the day or it was the weekend. Um, And then I recently heard uh, that there was an iPhone app. Um, for it. And I would highly recommend it for folks that if you're looking for ways to disconnect, but still kind of want to know what's like going on or something cool that your, your friends are talking about. Um, so the iPhone app, um, also does that. It's the same idea, but it integrates it into push notifications. And you can get extremely granular with when the ga- when it uh, chooses to notify you. So it's not just nuzzle, like saying, like having an arbitrary, like, hey, like people are sharing this. Like you can get down to like, do you want it within... Uh, Friends you follow or friends of friends you follow. And then even more granular, is it when it hits three shares, four shares, Hmm. five shares? So, like, you can set, like, a level of granularity over, like, that will essentially dictate, like, not only how often um, you're being pinged, but, like, sort of, is this, like, wide across your network? Or is it, like, oh, just, like, a cool nugget that, like, three people shared, like, you'll get a notification about it. And I have it set at, like, the the, the, uh, just the three people sharing, and I only get notified maybe twice a day like if your feed is gonna vary on how that ends up playing out but i have found it like really cool uh getting pointed towards things that uh you know when i'm having to shut away twitter either during the work day because i have to write or on the weekend because uh uh i'm being kratos being a dad <laughs> um i i have found it uh neat to to get those notifications because it allows me to feel like i can see that uh, you know, while I'm, you know, taking care of my kid and be like, oh, that's interesting. I'll check that out later. Um, cause it also saves it into the app. It's like each notification you get becomes like its own little save status of whatever was shared. So you can specifically go back and find it through, through the app. So nuzzle, uh, is, uh, what I would point people awesome. to. Awesome. Nice. Uh, well, you know, I, I, for me, my, my waypoint for this week uh, maybe would have popped up on your nuzzle. Uh, it is uh, an Gross. article. <laughs> Listen, I could have I said it nuzzled up to you this morning. Oh. Uh, it, uh, from, from the New Yorker, as an article by Adam Davidson called Michael Cohen in the end stage of the Trump presidency. Mm. Uh, it is a, uh, you know, uh, Adam Davidson is a, is a, very well uh i trying to think of a, of, a, of a of a word that is not just well respected um he's he's put in his fucking time as a reporter uh has has reported overseas has reported uh nationally in fields of politics in on war on uh, the economy on a number of different fields 
Uh, and it is his sort of analysis of this current moment of, of the Trump presidency. You know, we, we often talk about being in a historical moment uh, and whether or not we can kind of see that. Um, and sometimes we as people in, in you know, non-expert roles, even those of us who care a lot about politics or who care about war, or who care about the economy, um, don't necessarily see the moment for what it is. Uh, and in, in this piece in The New Yorker, he kind of makes the case of like, hey, you know, when when George W. Bush's mission accomplished sign was raised in 2003, <laughs> the folks on the ground in, in Iraq understood what the reality was, because the reality was that things that, that very little had been accomplished for the people of Iraq, that there was not much stability. Um, and, and then and then extends that to talk about the the. Um, moment that the economic crisis hits uh, in 2007, 2008, where there are people on the ground who understand how toxic um, the the kind of uh, financial institutions and and financial products uh, that led to that recession were and understood the pro- could see the problem and no one was listening in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even he at the time who was reporting on that stuff <clears throat> didn't really recognize it, but there were people in his life and in you know his peers who who did see it. Um, and this is a, a, one of those pieces where like, Hey, if you really need that, that feeling like maybe we're going to get through this fucking presidency <laughs> and maybe there is going to be some notion of, of justice, uh, regarding Donald Trump, not that that fixes every problem by any fucking means. Uh, but that's a story that, <laughs> that, right. That this, this particular vein of corruption and, and, uh, frankly evil, uh, in, in American politics is going to be confronted. Uh, it's a piece that, that kind of builds hope for that by situating it in, in previous moments of, of, you know, of history, of, of recent history. Uh, again, it is called Michael Cohen and the End Stage of the Trump Presidency by Adam Davidson. It's worth a read. Uh, it won't take up too much of your time. It's a, sh- it's a shorty, but it's, it's still one of those good ones. It makes you feel, feel all right. All right, that's going to do it for us today. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Follow Bowen. Uh, you can find out more about that, rather, at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, follow Waypoint on Twitter, twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice. Come over to waypoint.vice.com for all of our all of our articles. As always, we stream over at twitch.tv slash waypoint and youtube.com slash waypointvice. Patrick, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at Patrick Clark, but and also if you find uh, the, the what uh, Austin is pointing to, interesting uh, Slate's Slow Burn podcast. Also, oh yeah, 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 oh, definitely oh, yeah. the Slow Burn podcast. I finished that while we were going to PAX. I, I listened to the first half of it on the way up, and I listened to the second half of it on the way back. Uh, that's a great. That was a great uh, podcast. Look at the the Watergate uh, uh, affair. The uh, at still Watergate. on my list. My God, I really please need please listen to oh. it. Maybe in my um, sleep. I'll just put it on while I'm yeah, in bed. Right? I'll just learn it, you know. <laughs> uh, it's really it's a really fascinating look again at like what's it like to be in the moment of history uh instead of like having the 2020 site yeah. looking back at it. Um really fantastic little eight run podcast, eight episode run podcast worth listening to. Uh Danielle, where can uh, where can people find you? You can find me listening to all the podcasts I need to listen to at Danielle <laughs> RI. <laughs> Perfect. And as always, you can find me at Austin underscore Walker. That is going to do it for us this week. Danielle, what do we say to him? Be good and be good at it. Peace. Also, go find this tweet about about <laughs> Fox News needing to report that, uh, it, that the third client is Sean Hannity. It's very funny. It's good. Bye. <laughs>
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 